carrying on or finishing off the series called Following Jesus. And today we're talking about being with Jesus before doing for Jesus. So our number one calling, if you're a Christian here, is actually to abide, is to enjoy being close, <coughs> is to recognize that apart from him we can do nothing, and that all of our doing for Jesus flows out of first being with Jesus. And I'm going to talk about how that can look and why it's important, and we're going to do some practical stuff in this time. So there are some huge enemies of a life of abiding. Uh, one of the enemies is just the pace of a city like London. It's just frantic. And many of you have long commutes to work and back home. So the pace of London can be a huge barrier to simply abiding. Things like living overextended can be an enemy trying to do too much in too little time living just completely distracted all the time can stop us abiding and enjoying being with him worry being anxious or worrying can stop us abiding sometimes our plans the things that we want to do, the things that we've got on our mind, we're so wanting to see it happen, can actually stop us just enjoying being with Jesus. Sometimes it can be when we stop, we realise that our inner world is just so jam-packed with thoughts and feelings and anxieties and troubles and plans. Sometimes an enemy can be doing that exceeds our being. We're just trying to do things beyond our capacity or trying to give away what we haven't yet received can be a distraction. A, a not having a clear recognition of, our, of the gift of limits can be, a can be an enemy. Just not realising that there are things that we are naturally gifted at and there's some things that we're not. And when we get that wrong, we just find ourselves overwhelmed. The self can be a reason that we don't abide. We can live with self-protection, self-promotion, or sometimes pretending to be someone on the outside that we know we're not on the inside can be exhausting and stop us abiding. I want to give a quote from someone called Walter Long. I don't think any of you will have heard of Walter Long. Walter Long was a big influence in my life as a teenager. Walter became a Christian when he was 44 years old. Uh, he would say of himself, he was a very, very simple man. He worked as a farm labourer his whole life and he had a very simple faith. It, it would be, I trust God if God said it, he means it. And I made a video of Walter telling his story. And on this video I recently re-watched, he said this. So this was a man who saw God do amazing things through his life in the most simple ways. 
and a beautiful man of faith. He said this, you've got to get rid of self out of your heart and out of your life. That's where a lot of Christian people go wrong. They never get rid of self. So they never know anything of the living Christ who lives in their hearts and in their lives. And we can see in Ephesians or Colossians, he talks about put off the old self and put on the new self in Christ. In other words, he's saying it's really hard to abide when and be aware of Jesus when our whole inner life is so full of how did I come across? How did I appear? Am I doing okay? Is God pleased with me? What will happen? What won't happen? He says get rid of self so that you can be aware of Christ. So all these things create a very limited space for being aware of Jesus. Now, uh, Tracy passed me a prophetic word during the worship, which was God chose you because God wanted you. God chose you because he loves you, and God chose you because he wants a relationship with you. <coughs> so there he is, from the beginning and the foundation of the earth, seeing you, loving you, wanting you, looking forward to you getting to know him. And then he looks at us, and we're rushing around like headless chickens, distracted by everything, and unaware of him. But God actually invites the Christian, that's what the believer, to live consciously aware of him. That's the gift of salvation. That's why he chose you, because he wanted you to be near him. He actually chose each of us to enjoy easy familiarity with the presence of God. So that we just recognize in life when God shows up in all circumstances to be aware of him. Do you know that God doesn't divide life as some bits are spiritual and some bits are not spiritual? Did you know that God sees everything as spiritual? The whole of your life. So we've enjoyed a magnificent time of worship. That was spiritual. <coughs> Peeling potatoes, cooking rice, making dinner, walking to work, getting on a bus. That's spiritual too. God looks at the whole of our lives and says, I want you just, I want you to be as aware of me here in a, in a Sunday gathering as on a bus. I want you to be aware of me all the time. One of the m most famous books, most translated books apart from the Bible, is a book about practicing the presence of God. Uh, a French monk who people would come to see him do the washing up. They would travel for miles to watch him wash up, make the dinner, pour the wine, because he turned everything into an experience of God. He'd be aware of God in prayer. He'd be aware of God cooking dinner. And people came to marvel at him because he must have just overflowed joy or peace or life. And there's a little book called Practicing the Presence of God on Amazon, I think on Kindle. It might only cost you two pounds. It's a magnificent book of people writing letters to him and him writing letters back about his experience with God. So God wants us to be aware of him while we're working, 
while we're playing, while we're cooking, while we're driving, while we're leading, when we're visiting friends, the whole of life to be aware of him. So I want to talk a little bit about a rhythm, a rhythm of life that makes us aware of him. If you become a, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, people say things like the believer must have a quiet time. And we mean by that the Christian needs to start the day in prayer with the Bible and then go into their day. Brilliant stuff. Love it. Practice that every day myself. But how many of you, you start the day with God and you read the Bible, you pray, and then you get to lunchtime and you're just thinking, actually, my spiritual life is going down and I'm feeling more frustrated or annoyed or overwhelmed or troubled. And then you get to the end of the day and you might not even be feeling like you're a believer, you think. <laughs> and then it starts the next day and you have your quiet time. Many, many men and women, people in the Bible, had a rhythm of life where they would regularly stop and be with God. Hallelujah. So in monastic movements, monks, they would often stop eight times a day to be aware of God. So you can find that in Dave, King David in the Bible would often stop to be aware of God. Do you remember Daniel? Captured, taken to Babylon, very demanding job, working for the king in the palace, actually told it was against the law to worship God. Three times a day he would stop to be aware of God, to pray, to connect to God. And we see that in Jesus. Sometimes it was getting so busy and at the most inconvenient times it would appeal to the disciples, he would disappear to be with the Father. He had such a rhythm with the Father, the disciples said, teach us to pray. We want to connect like you do. So we need a routine, a rhythm where we stop and we remember and we're regularly with him. Because he loves us so much and wanted us, he wants to be with us. Abiding, stopping and being with Jesus is what gives our life beauty, peace, clarity, strength and joy. I think that's why people, I think it's a Brother Lawrence in the, in the Patterson Apprentice, that's why people came to wash in, wash up. There's something beautiful about your life. Because you're connecting to the eternal, to the invisible one. I want to talk about one practice that you could introduce into your life that is really powerful for regularly connecting with God. I want to talk about the power of silence Amen. and being still. We, we sang that in that song, all I did was bow down. Being silent and being still with God can actually transform your experience of Holy Spirit and it can transform the way we follow Jesus. Now, being silent and still, if it, if it was part of the pie, it would be just one slice of the pie. There are many other aspects that you can practice to enjoy and be aware of God. 
just going to talk about this, just this one. Being silent in God's presence is prayer. It's a form of prayer. In silence, our relationship with God becomes a two-way street. Is your prayer like my prayer sometimes? All I do is speak. Not all I do is bow down. <laughs> words, 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 words. Requests, 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 requests. No time to hear. Remember, I remember I went with God. I said, I'm going to be with you today. I'm going to be with you today. I'm going to hear your voice. And I don't honestly think I stopped speaking to him for seven or eight hours. And then I said to him, this day wasn't very refreshing, was it? And I think he said something like, I couldn't get a word in. <laughs> Silence allows us to be held by God. Hallelujah. It's really powerful. Hallelujah. There's something that happens in it where you know he's speaking, but it's spirit to spirit. It's deep. You just know it's good because it's God, but you don't quite know what it is. I think it's 1 Kings chapter 19 when Elijah is worn out, burnt out, overwhelmed. He goes to be and meet with God and it talks about God. in the sound of sheer silence, God spoke. And uh, translators didn't know what the sound of sheer silence was, so they said it was a still, small voice. But the original is God spoke in utter, complete silence and Elijah heard. In silence we get held. We hear a, a voice that just touches us. Sometimes our prayer comes more from a place of fear, control and things we want more than the joy of just connecting and being with the one who always wanted us. Sometimes it just overflows of our terror of what, of what might not happen and our desire to control God and tell him how, when, and when we want it. Silence is a form of prayer where we surrender our desire for control and we surrender our desire for approval or dictating to God what security looks like. It's a practice of letting go, moment by moment throughout the day, of the illusion that I am the centre of the universe. Because in that moment we are not telling God what to do and how to do it, we're just being with the one who holds the universe in his hands. So many of our prayers for people come out of self-will. What we want them to be, what we want them to do. In silence, we let go of clutching, control, and that kind of death grip. We shift our focus on, we shift from a focus on getting God to do what we want, to positioning ourselves to wanting what God wants. In silence, we let go of our agendas and we allow communion, being with God, to be the very core of who we are and what we want. 
in silence, we don't come to God to get something. We don't even come for a word of encouragement or even for guidance. We simply want to be with him. That's the relationship that the Lord Jesus won for us. This beautiful being with the Holy Spirit, being with Jesus, being with God the Father. And yet in silence, God speaks. He nudges us towards better better choices. He invites us to let go of anxiety and just be with him. God has so much that he wants to say that when we turn aside and let go of external and internal noise and just come to him, we hear his voice. Because it's the birthright of the believer to hear the voice of God every day as much as you can enjoy. There's something about regularly stopping. It's not about how long, but it's about the intention that you come with. You can start in the morning and you can think, I don't know what your rhythm's like at work. Is there a moment you can grab a minute and just say, I'm coming to be with you. And then in the afternoon or maybe the evening. In silence, God does in us what we cannot do for ourselves. And too much of Christianity has been about work hard, change yourself, become better, overcome, be more diligent, be more disciplined, try harder. When Jesus says, abide, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need is what John Wimber heard. Abide, that recognition that you're doing in me what I can't do for myself. A spiritually active life in the world can only flow from a deep inner life with God. If we really want to love the world and the community and the people around us, we need to live consciously aware of God. And out of an awareness of God, we have spiritual resources of being aware of Christ and his love and his power and his goodness and his tenderness and then we can take his heart and it begins to overflow to others we can't give away what we actually aren't enjoying C.S. Lewis said the great English writer you always praise what you enjoy the enjoyment isn't complete until you've praised it a show you went to, an album you bought, a restaurant you ate in, a new recipe that you found, all praise all the time. It's not complete until you've told somebody. Nothing I'm telling people over and over again. I love my Brompton bike. I want to talk about it. Not everybody wants to hear about my praise of the Brompton folding bike, but it overflows regardless of their interest or passion. And I think sometimes... <laughs> We bolt on to our life with Jesus. Oh, I've got to tell people. No, I think we love him. We're in his presence. And we can't wait to let people know about what we're enjoying. In silence, we discover 
that Christ himself is the treasure. And we live aware of the living <coughs> Christ who is our life. And then the reality of Jesus' life can't help but begin to overflow everywhere we go. It can't stay in us because it's flooding out, flooding out, flooding out. Let's land here. Be patient with yourself as you learn new ways of being with God. And there's loads of them that you can find. There's loads of ways that you can engage with God. Silence or stillness is one of them. It might be you carry a verse that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in the morning and you think about it at lunchtime, you think about it in the afternoon, you think about it on the train and you just uh, take that thing. It could be that you're declaring what God has said to you and you're making declarations what he has called you. I hear your voice. God is my dad. I'm a spiritual being. Uh, I'm an overcomer. You might be doing that regularly. But the most important thing is this. God is eager to lead you and me into greener pastures. He's a really good shepherd. He's more eager to lead you into greener pastures than you are to go into greener pastures. Hallelujah. He really wants you and he really loves you and he really wants time with you. So what we're going to do, we're just going to spend a minute just with him. And it's great to, to, uh, to set that up with just saying to yourself, God, I'm coming to be with you. I'm coming to connect with you. I'm recognizing that you're with me, you're in me, you love me, and you're for me. And I'm just going to come and be with you. So we're just going to do a minute. day, give yourself the gift, multiple times a day, of a mental vacation, an oasis in the middle of busyness, a moment to be still and to hear the affection of God, the hug of heaven, the love of the Father, his delight. get anywhere because actually Ephesians says we're seated with him in heavenly places which is amazing we're not ascending anywhere 
Christ within us, the hope of glory. We're just given time to be consciously aware of what is already true. 